Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Robin Roberts was living her dream when she got the devastating news. She had breast cancer. She beat that, and then another life-threatening illness followed. This time, she battled for months, again, not knowing what the outcome would be. This chapter of her life could have very easily been the end of her story, but it wasn't. She survived and is now back on the air, going strong, doing what she loves. Prior to her health crisis, it appeared that career-wise, everything came relatively easy for Robin. Her big-time job at ESPN led to a co-hosting position alongside Diane Sawyer and Charlie Gibson at Good Morning America. But in reality, her overnight success was years in the making. Everybody has a story, and there is something to be learned from every experience. Use your life as a class. This is Masterclass with Robin Roberts. When someone asks me, Robin, what's the secret to your success? I tell them being the daughter of Lawrence and Lucy Marion Roberts. They are the two most influential people that I will ever meet, my mother and father. At a time when blacks in this country had very little rights, my father was saying, I'm going to fly one day. And he went on to be part of the famed Tuskegee Airmen. My mother grew up in immense poverty in Akron, Ohio, and she received a $100 scholarship, went to Howard University. She was appointed by the governor to be in our state of Mississippi to do various things. This woman was brilliant, but they never stood up on a, on a soapbox and said, I am the first black man to do this. I'm the first black woman that ever did. They never did that. It was their, their sheer example that inspired their children. It's amazing when I think of what my mother and father both achieved and they are my role models. They are the true trailblazers for me, my mom and dad. My father was in the Air Force and in 1968, he was stationed in Izmir, Turkey. And the great thing about both my mother and father, we're gonna live abroad. Why live on a military base that's completely American? So we lived in town. We got an apartment, had Turkish neighbors, had to learn the, let's see, bear, icky, uch, dersh, bash, alter, yeti, sekis, donkus, on. I think that's one through 10 in Turkish, if my memory serves me correctly. But it was wonderful. It was an adventure. The GNC was our backyard, and we would, instead of going back to the US during the holidays, we would travel Europe. <laughs> Remember, we were in, London for the 4th of July. I was about five years old, and I didn't understand why they weren't celebrating the 4th of July in London, England. The innocence of that time, and I'm very grateful that my parents just exposed us to, to the world. And then we moved uh, to Mississippi in August of 1969. We moved to Pass Christian. It's affectionately called the Pass. Everyone there, they could not have been more welcoming and accepting. It's really funny because when you're on national television, it's like being a military brat. 
everybody takes ownership of you, but you really don't have a home because you're in homes all across the country. And that's why the pass is so important to me because that's my anchor. That's home. That's when people come up. It's not necessarily because I'm on television or what. It's like, you're Larry and Lucy Marion's daughter. And I'm like, damn straight. Yeah, I am. Sorry, mom and dad said that, but <laughs> damn straight. <laughs> I had just been named co-anchor with Diane and Charlie on Good Morning America. Hurricane Katrina comes along. My family is there on the Gulf Coast in Mississippi. I'm sent the day of the storm that night. I lose contact with my family. I'm sent down. We were able to land in Lafayette, Louisiana, and then that's as close as we could get in after the storm. And then we drove all night to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. All the while, I had no idea about my family because the phone lines were down. We're driving through the night. We make it to the Gulf Coast where I had grown up. I know what's supposed to be there, and I know what's not there anymore because of the storm. The funny part is that ABC thought they were sending me down there to report. I was down there to find my mama and my sister and my nieces. We were about to go on the air. I tell my producer, I said, you set up. You set up for the live shot. I'm going to go and try and find my mom. And there was a police officer that was with us. So you set up. If I can get back in time to go on air, I'll do it. But if not, I'm sorry. We're able to find the house. The neighborhood was just terrible, but the house was standing. There was some roof damage. And the police officer is with me, and he has one of those big police lights. We knock on the door, and I hear my sister like, who's there? And I'm like, it's me, it's me, it's Robin. She opens the door, because she has that big light. She's like, no TV, no TV. And I'm like, like, I would send a camera, but that's my family. Like, I would send a camera that moment, Dorothy, not knowing what's going to happen. And I hear this faint voice in the back of the house, Robin, Robin, his mom. And I go running back there, and she's fine. And she's just sitting there, and she goes, I knew you'd find me. And I said, I'm glad you're fine, Mom. And there was damage to the house. And I wanted to stay there. And my mom was like, no, go and do your story. Let people know. Be our voice. Let people know how bad it is here. I made it back to the live shot with just like 10 minutes to spare. So I think I'm okay. I'm like, you know, getting all, all right, all right got it. <clears throat> all right. And I report on the destruction and everything, just, just the facts, ma'am, being the anchor. And then at the end of the report, Charlie Gibson, I'll never forget this, I'm wearing my IFB, a little earpiece, so I can hear back. And in my ear, Charlie said, and I just looked in the camera and started crying. There's no crying in network television, but I'm crying because two reasons. One, I knew that there were a lot of people tuning in that morning who didn't know if their loved ones were okay. I knew what that felt like because that had been me just hours before not knowing about my family. So I knew what they were thinking. And there was also part of me that was like, I have just gotten myself fired. You do not show emotion. And my goodness, just the opposite happened. People were drawn to the fact that I could just be real and to, to share the pain that I was feeling at that time. And it just, again, taught me that the type of journalist that I am and 
what people relate to is just being able to share my journey. I loved sports, but when we moved to Mississippi, only thing they let me let a little eight-year-old girl do was bowl. So what? I bowled and loved it. Wanted to be a pro bowler, would watch it on ABC. I went on to be the state bowling champion. I can still remember um, <laughs> the local headline, Petite Kegler uh, wins state title. I think I was about 12 years old, had little pigtails and, and all, because that's all they would let me play. They didn't have other sports available to, uh, to little girls. And then once Title IX came along, it allowed me to have a college scholarship. It allowed me to play sports the way it just created that opportunity for girls uh, back in the 1970s that has stayed with me. And I often say I'm the proud product of Title IX. And it's not because I went on to be a sports journalist. I would have said that had I gone into education, law, medicine. I know because I played sports growing up, I would have been the best doggone doctor, lawyer, you fill in the blank, because of those skills that for generations men have been exposed to that have helped them go on to be successful in life. It really helped me understand winning and losing. And so when I would apply for jobs and I didn't get a, a job that I wanted, I didn't panic as much as someone who didn't play sports because they would think that was to be all end all, that that was the end of the end of the game. I kind of knew that you could still go on and, and be victorious, but it's those intangibles, all those wonderful qualities that come through playing athletics stay with you. And it's something that I, I know without a shadow of a doubt has, has shaped the success that others feel that I have achieved. I, you know, I'm about 5'10", and wasn't, you know, not so tall now, but when you're in the eighth grade and 5'10", pretty tall, and you don't have to worry about getting in the proper position. You pretty much are like, ah, okay, that's, yeah, that's my rebound. Just keep going, little girl. I got, I got this, I got this. Get to high school, um, you know, I'm still the tallest one on my team, and so I have to play the center position. But to go on to college, no one wanted a 5'10", post players, so I had to learn a different position. I had to learn how to shoot from the outside. I had to put myself in position for some good things to happen. If you position yourself the right way, you don't have to be the tallest, the fastest, the biggest. And I was thankfully able to translate that to the real world, going, oh, okay, I'm not the prettiest, I'm not the most this, I'm not the most that, but you know, if I keep working, if I keep positioning myself, some good things are gonna happen. And, and thankfully that was the case. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Okay, let's, let's be honest here. I wanted to be a professional athlete. I said it, I put it out there. I wanted, that's what I wanted to do. But there is something called, wait a minute, I remember, ability that you must have. I knew that for me to be a professional athlete was to be a sports journalist. Tennis was my real love. Oh, I used to dream about one day being at Wimbledon. Uh, I could taste the strawberries and cream. I could see myself curtsying they're on center court. And I didn't make it there, obviously, as a tennis player. But let me tell you, even though I had a mic in my hand instead of a tennis racket for ESPN when I went to cover it for the first time, 
to me, it was like, check Wimbledon. I love that. You have to be creative in reaching your goals. And I think that's what's really helped me so much in my life, both professionally and personally, just, you know, not being too rigid, having goals and setting goals, but being flexible with them and knowing that it might not quite look like I think it's going to look, and that's okay, that's okay. My siblings tell me this, and my mom and dad too, I don't remember it, but I had a board in my room that had goals on it, and I had the word success. I misspelled success. I spelled it S-U-C-E-S-S. -S. I was off to a great start. But my big thing was, and it still is, is to dream big. Dream big, but focus small. I wanted to work as a sportscaster. I wanted to be a sports journalist. I wanted to work at da-da-da-da-da-da, the worldwide leader in sports. I was offered positions to be in news, and at the time, I thought news was a four-letter word. I didn't want anything to do with news. I wanted to be in sports. And I felt that when I wasn't being offered, it's like, oh, it's because I'm a woman. You're not letting me. So this is a time when you didn't see as many women on that side of the camera in sports. And so I was receiving some full-time positions to be a news anchor and reporter. And at the same time, I received one part-time offer, one part-time position, $5.50 an hour, 30 hours a week, to be the weekend sports anchor in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Now, this is after going to college, getting a degree, graduating with honors. I get this part-time offer as opposed to a full-time offer. That was like $15,000 a year. Weighing the two, my parents are like, $15,000, take that, take the full-time job. And I'm like, no, I want to be a sports journalist. So I'm going to take this part-time position in sports. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Those early years, and I think anybody you talk to, they just, they're tough. They're just tough. But I was just very determined. I was disciplined. I was determined. And I really believe in being patient and persistent. And there's a difference between being persistent and being a pest. And it's hard for people now because you turn on TV, you see a woman doing sports, you don't bat an eye. In the 70s and 80s, it was a different story when I was coming along. And people wanted to hire me in news, but not necessarily in sports. So I had to get creative. And I remember when my parents would travel on church business, I didn't have much money, but I would travel with them if they were going to, for example, Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville is a bigger market than what I was in in Mississippi. So when I knew they were going there, I would send my tapes and would say, not going to cost you a nickel. You know, I'm going to be in town. If you like what you see, I'd be happy to come by and pay you a visit. And the news director there, he thought, okay, it's not going to cost me anything. So I came by. He liked me. He didn't have an opening yet, kept in touch. And then within nine months later, I'm the lifestyle reporter slash sports reporter for WSMV in uh, Nashville, a top 30 market. <laughs> I remember the first time I got my big break, WSMV. I'm filling in for the main sports guy. Now, I'm so excited. This is a great opportunity for me the first time I'm going to be on during the week. So I'm already looking good in my little power suit. I'm ready to go. Probably had a mullet back then. I'm all set. So the news anchor says, and coming up, filling in in sports, Robin Roberts. So I go to step on the set, and the voice of God, the PA system goes, uh, yeah, Robin, we don't have your sports tapes. Uh, you need to go get your sports tapes. I'm like, you know, again, it's in a commercial break. I'm like, I got this. Go tearing back up to the sports office. 
I mean, it's way on the other side of the building. Grab the tapes, run back, put them and give them to the person in the tape room. Get back on the set, put my mic on. And they're like going five, four, three. I'm thinking, this is great. I got back in time. And then the anger goes, and now Robin with sports. <sighs> I can't speak. I've been running. I can't speak. My eyes are watering. I'm thinking, oh my, this is it. I'm fired. You know, these are people for the first time seeing me. And I think that's it. The phone lines lit up. Why? People loved it. I was one of them. I was just like them. <laughs> you know, it was so relatable. I, I ended up being a sportscaster of the year in the Nashville scene, the, uh, the publication. Again, it, I think it was because I didn't, you know, I didn't try and put on airs. What you see is what you get where that's concerned. And it's, it's served me well. It has served me well to do that. I had set a goal to be at ESPN. And I was working at the time in Nashville, Tennessee, which was a great market. One of our competitors sent my tape to ESPN. Hopefully that I would get hired and leave Nashville. ESPN called me in for an interview. I knew, I knew in my heart of hearts that I wasn't ready and that I needed more experience. And I really didn't want to be the answer to a trivia question. What black woman was hired by ESPN in 1987 and fired in 1988? I wanted staying power. And at the same time, I was offered a position in Atlanta, Georgia to work for a TV station there. And that would be my first chance to cover professional sports. So I decided to go there, was there for two years. ESPN came calling again, thankfully, two years later. I joined them in 1990 and really haven't ever really left. So I think I made the right choice in turning them down initially and being able to have the, the strength to say no, the courage to say no, and the good fortune that they would call again, because I think there was a part of them like, she told us who she thinks she is. But it, it, uh, it was the right decision. It's, it's knowing yourself. I still pull from my experience in local markets. I worked in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Biloxi, Mississippi, Nashville, Tennessee, Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, and then I was the overnight success, you know, at ESPN. They don't see those four markets where I worked before. All that stays with you, and it just makes you the more rounded journalist that you want to be. As I at ESPN, I kind of made my, my presence known. You know, people think that, oh, I should be just grateful to be there, which I was. It had been only a few months. There was an opening on this great show called NFL Primetime, Primetime, the NFL show with Chris Berman and Tom Jackson. And there was an opening, and I marched into John A. Walsh, who is a dear friend to this day. He was the editor at uh, Sports Center, And here, I had only been there a couple of months. I go into his office and I said, hey, you know, I got this idea. Maybe I could come and do, I'm here on Sundays anyway, because they created a Sunday morning program. Would love to stay all day long, watch the games with the guys, and then be on NFL primetime. There's part of him I think that was like, what's your name again? You know, I was so new. And he goes, you know what? Let me think about it and I'll get back to you. And I was like, okay, and I march out of his office, and I think I probably crumbled as I came out of his office because I, like, I can't believe I had the nerve to go in there and, and demand this job. Sure enough, by the end of the week, he called me back in his office and said, tell you what, I'm going to take you up on your offer. You can be one of the hosts on NFL Primetime. I never have been content. I never have, but always grateful, always grateful 
but not necessarily content. Robin's dream of working at ESPN came true and was everything she wanted it to be. With success, though, came other offers for jobs outside of her comfort zone of sports. One of those offers proved too good to pass up. I'm living happily ever after. I'm working at the worldwide leader in sports. I am at the pinnacle. I'm covering the Olympics, all the major sporting events, Super Bowl, Final Fours. And I remember being at my home in Connecticut, very happy that I was doing what it is that I set out to do. I kind of had that little exhale moment of, is this, this all that I'm supposed to do? And to leave my comfort zone and in every way possible, ESPN sports broadcasting was my wheelhouse. I just was one of those sports people that just, that's all I knew and all I wanted to know and I was ecstatic. And for me to actually make the transition was nerve wracking because there's a part of me that thought that people would be watching and going, oh, come on, we gave you a break about being a sports journalist. Now you're trying to push it. Good morning, America. Come on, come on. Now we've been really nice, Robin, come on. But it was exciting again to kind of be the new kid on the block and to work with two legends, Charlie Gibson and Diane Sawyer. You couldn't ask for a better entree into network broadcasting than by working beside those two. Uh, very generous and very nurturing and very helpful and also taught me to be true to myself, which I was very, very thankful for. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. I'm at the White House, I'm going to state dinners, I'm traveling the world, oh, exceeded even my wildest uh, dreams and goals and expectations. And then wham, 2007, the words that no one ever wants to hear, you have cancer, you have cancer. I remember going, but I've been health conscious, athletic, I don't smoke, I don't drink. I have, I have cancer and I'm 46 years old and there's no history in the family. And it was something that no one could ever prepare themselves for or expect. And I was told as a black woman, you're less likely to get breast cancer, but more likely to die from it if you do get it. What do you do with that? <laughs> what do you do? Okay, so I, I may not get it, but if I do get it, the chances aren't that good. Well, thank you very much. Whew, so I'm, I'm dealing with that. And it was my sweet mama. She's like, honey, you're going to be fine. You're my child. You're a child of God. You have great health care. You are going to be fine. She goes, I know it and you know it. So be the voice for those who don't have those same resources. Be their voice. Make your mess your message. And as soon as I did that and got outside of myself and said, okay, early detection, making sure that people, especially in the African-American community, that they check themselves early because early detection can save your life. And once I did that, I felt 
the purpose of what I was supposed to be doing. Many people have asked me, they said, have you, did you ever lose faith? And the simple answer is no, that I have been angry with God. He can take it. He can take it. The trick is not to stay angry and to, the tragedy is not so much the experience that you're having. The tragedy is that we don't take the time to understand the meaning and the purpose behind what it is we're going through. After my battle with breast cancer, I was diagnosed in 2007 and I completed treatment in 2008. And I was devastated when I became ill again and was diagnosed with MDS, which is a blood disorder that affects the bone marrow. And it was directly linked to the treatment that saved my life from breast cancer. It's extremely rare and I, I never want people to feel that I regret fighting breast cancer. You have to fight the battle in front of you. But I look at all that I was able, because I did stand up and fight breast cancer, the wonderful things that happened in those five years. I got to spend more time with my mom before she passed. I drove in the Indy 500 pace car, did a music video with Martina McBride, and wrote a song with India Ari. And I know, you know, many people are going like, well, I'm never going to drive the pace car. I'm never going to be in a music video. That's not the point. The point is, my life went on better than I ever could have imagined, and yours can too. That's the point. Optimism is like a muscle that gets stronger with use. You gotta, you know, when you, when you wanna build a muscle, you gotta keep using it. Well, that's how you have to be, and I'm an internal optimist. And so I can find those little silver linings, those little moral victories. God has three answers to prayer. Yes, not yet, and I have something even better in mind. And that's what I always, I always like the third one. I always feel there is something better in mind. And I, I feel that for others too, that the best is yet to come. And it takes courage to believe that the best is yet to come. It's difficult to be quiet. It's difficult not to be doing. We feel that we're so important and things are so vital. And I get it, I understand. I understand that philosophy and thought, but it's as important, if not more important, to find those moments where you can just be, be still. Some of that was forced upon me recently when I was diagnosed with MDS. And I remember I didn't understand what was going on. And I asked the specialist, you know, worst case scenario. And he said, I would need a bone marrow transplant. I was like, I, I was like well, that doesn't sound good. How long will I be out? And he said, six months. You should have seen me jump out of my chair. Because I was like, you are out of your mind if you think I'm not working for six months. I was just, I was, I was just, you, you couldn't even, they finally had to calm me down and I had to sit down. And I was like, no, no, I'm not, no, no. I can't be out of work for six months. I can't, that's, there's just, I got through that moment and it's, it's no way that it, it's a silver lining what I went through. There's no way anything, it was a very, challenging in, in so many ways. But the fact that I had to be quarantined, the fact that I could not have anybody around me for extended periods of time, the fact that I had to be on my own, and something I learned about myself, I was alone a lot, but I was never lonely. You hear that? It's quiet. You can hear your thoughts. You can hear what it is that's so important.
And in this great, wonderful world, it gets really busy. It gets really noisy. And my grandma Sally, my mother's mother, used to have what she would call quiet time. And there are many times during the day that I will just be silent and listen. And that has served me really well. Okay, we're, we're, we're going to come clean here. Somebody should have told me what I really looked like when I came back that first day. I think I'm looking all good. Uh, you know, like, uh, this, uh, I've taken 174 days to say this. Good morning, America. I'm like wide-eyed, and I'm just so happy to be back because six months I was out of work when I was diagnosed with MDS. They take you to the brink of death. They have to completely empty your immune system and everything in you. I had 10 consecutive days of chemotherapy to wipe out my system to then accept my sister's stem cells. And it took quite a toll on the body. So it was very emotional to see people that I hadn't seen in six months. People wearing all around the office my, my band. It was a moment that I had envisioned from the day that I was diagnosed. I was just so, not that my work or being on that program defines who I am or gives me purpose. I like it. They're my friends. And I've been in people's homes for over a decade. They've had me over for breakfast for more than 10 years. That's a privilege. I'm very grateful that I have a platform to be able to share my message and share my journey and take people along with me. I love taking people along with me on the journey because I know not everyone has this kind of forum. Breast cancer, MDS, the destruction of my hometown after, after Katrina. It's just knowing you're not alone. It's just knowing that somebody else feels the same types of emotions and trying to learn from each other and how do you deal with it. You have to have the bad to appreciate the good, but you have to understand that the good is as fleeting as the bad and be okay with it. The phrase that I've always lived by is, this too shall pass. And I have a little plaque in my dressing room that says, this too shall pass. And I really feel like in recent years, especially this last year or two, that I've been a walking, breathing symbol of this too shall pass. Some people have questioned why I have shared so much of my journey, including the passing of my mother. But so many people have been grateful because they know they're not alone in their thoughts and their feelings in the passing of someone that's so incredibly important to them. And I was in the room, the only family member in the room when she passed. And it was like a, almost like a transfer of spirit and power. And to know that my mom was there when I took my first breath and I was there when she took her last. Hmm. Wow. You can have happy sorrow or sad sorrow. My mama taught me this after my dad died, her husband of more than 55 years. And, why, and people are like, happy sorrow? What do you mean happy sorrow? Well, I think of my mom now, I think of the pleasant memories I think of this, the, the happy times. I still hurt like everybody else when they lose someone that's so close to them. But I choose because of my mother and to honor my mother, as she said, to have happy sorrow and not sad sorrow and to try and continue her legacy as she continued a legacy of those before her.
My mother, for an entire year, wrote a Dear God letter. No one knew. For an entire year, she wrote a Dear God letter. And to read her words and to know what she was thinking and feeling every day for that year, wow. It's a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful gift that you give yourself when you just chronicle your own life story. And my mother realized later in life that she didn't want to be a supporting member of her own life story. She wanted to be the leading lady. And I think that's really cool. And it's something I remember. Wow, I love that. Be the leading lady in your own story. Whether your story is battling cancer, telling the world who you are, or just holding on to a dream and working hard for it, Robin Roberts proves that we can all define our own story. And for that, she is a master. Now, Robin was blessed to be raised by two supportive parents and gives them all the credit for her success. But what if you didn't come from that kind of home? Well, Robin says you too can achieve greatness in life, however you choose to define it. I'm not gonna apologize for having a great childhood. I'm very grateful and I, and I wish that everybody had one. If you didn't, start the tradition in your family. It has to start somewhere. So instead of hearing people who've had a wonderful childhood and very grateful for it and internalizing and saying, well, I didn't have that and it's so difficult for me, I'm really, I, I do, my heart goes out to you. Start the tradition. It's had to start somewhere in my family and I'm grateful that I could continue it, but boy, what an honor it would be to start a tradition in your own family to start that tradition of love and unity and whatever it is that you desire your legacy to be for those that are gonna come after you. There's this wonderful devotional, Streams in the Desert, that my family and I have read for generations. And it tells a story about seeing a little cocoon and that there was a butterfly that was trying to get out of it. And Somebody wanted to come along and kind of make it easier for the butterfly to go out. So let's, let me just cut a little something in the cocoon. So I'm being a good person. I want, to, I want to help them get their wings. They needed to beat their wings against the cocoon to get strong. That sometimes we have these barriers around us that make us stronger. And I want people to understand that be it cancer, MDS, divorce, job loss, all these things are not to make our life more difficult, that we aren't the greater being, doesn't do that to keep us down, but rather so we can fly like that butterfly. And so in this wonderful cocoon, don't try and help or be helped out of it. Know that it's there for a purpose and a reason to make us stronger, to keep beating those wings until you're ready to fly. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Masterclass, the podcast. You can follow Masterclass on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Masterclass podcast. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. 
Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.